Now David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons and well advanced in years. Oh, I'm sorry, he had eight sons in Saul's time. He was well advanced in years. Jesse's oldest three sons had followed Saul to war. So three of, three of David's brothers are out on the front lines. The firstborn was Eliab, the second was Abinadab, and the third was Shammah. So you get a name, you can say these names now. Remember when I first got to this church, I couldn't say these names. It was great. David was the youngest. The oldest three followed Saul, but David went back and forth between Saul to tend to his father's sheep, Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistines came forward every morning and every evening, and he took this stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephrah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread, for your brothers have hurried to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to their commander of the unit. See how your brothers are, and bring back some assurance for them. Dad's worried, of course, about how the brother's doing. He doesn't want them killed in battle. Let's check on them. He says, they are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. So the entire army. Now remember how big Israel is, right? Millions. The entire army is there. Early in the morning, David left the flock with his shepherd, with the shepherd, loaded up with, uh, and loaded up and set out. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position. So what they would do is they would camp at night, and they would go out, and they would face each other on these hills and make fun of each other. They wouldn't actually fight. <laughs> Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their line facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Now the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give his daughter in marriage, and will exempt his father's family from taxes. Saul's desperate, right? Not only will I exempt you from taxes, I'll give you a daughter, I'll give you wealth, whatever you want. Somebody will fight and beat this guy. David asked the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now here's your first clue in the story. David didn't call it the army of Israel, did he? Who's defying the army of the living God. All these people, he's the only one that understands that this, these are God's people. Everyone else is running away, right? David, David's on to something. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When David's oldest brother Eliab heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger and asked him, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Hmm. Now, what have I done? Said David, can't I even speak? That sounds like a brother thing, doesn't it? <laughs> he then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was, said, uh, was overheard and reported to Saul. And Saul sent for David. Now remember, David's the youngest. What is he, 14, 13, 15? The king, Saul, sends for him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go fight him. 
Now, now, if you're a grown man looking at a 15-year-old, you know, they're all full of that bravado, but you're like, you're not you know, 15. Go, go sit down. SpongeBob SquarePants is on. <laughs> Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy, and he has been fighting men since his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. What does that sound like to you? When the lion came, Satan will come after you like a roaring lion. David rescued the sheep from his mouth. There's an imagery of, of Jesus there rescuing us, isn't there? It's called a tight. It's great. Sometimes you don't see that. I seized it by the hair and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. <laughs> Think about this. You've got the entire army and no one will fight this guy. They're so scared because they've forgotten who they are. And there's only one person in all of Israel who's remembered that he is God's person. And that's David, the kid. And Saul is so desperate, he says, okay, kid, go do it. <laughs> uh, goodness. <laughs> then Saul dressed David in his own tunic and put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around, but he couldn't because he wasn't used to it. So imagine, you ever see a kid wear his dad's shoes? He wears a coat that doesn't fit right. I mean, this is what David must have looked like walking around in Saul's stuff. Now remember, remember when Saul gets picked by Samuel to be king and he's anointed? He was this taller than everyone else guy. He stood out. He was one of these guys that was big, right? So Saul's, Saul's armor is certainly not going to fit a 15-year-old. I cannot go on these, David said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the stream. Put them in a pouch in his shepherd's bag, and then with a sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Now imagine what you gotta, you gotta imagine what the Philistine's thinking. The lion's thinking, uh, really, really. Meanwhile, the Philistine with a shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, um, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his God. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied, this day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. <laughs> All those gathered here will know that it is not by the sword of the spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack, David ran quickly toward him. Everyone else is running away from him, right? David, David gets excited, runs toward him. He reaches the battle line. He reaches into his bag and takes out a stone. He slings it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into the forehead and the 
Philistine fell to the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from his scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah all of a sudden get a bunch of courage and surged <laughs> forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of the Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the road to Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistine, they plundered their camp. David took the Philistine's head and brought it to Jerusalem, and he put the Philistine's weapon in his own tent. It's an amazing story. Not just because it's an interesting story, but there's so much to learn here. In those days, individual battle to decide what an army should do was kind of common. So if armies would get together, and you think that there's going to be a big clash. But sometimes they would just both pick their champion, and the champions would fight, and that would decide the battle. It was a lot less costly that way. So what the Philistine did coming forward, Goliath saying, I challenge you, was, was a very normal part of combat. What wasn't normal was the king not having the courage to fight or at least having a champion to fight. So the first thing we see is Saul, who again is this, he's not a small guy. Remember a little later we learned that, that the people of Israel sing about David and Saul, and they say, Saul has killed his hundreds, and David has killed his thousands. It's not like Saul wasn't a good warrior. He was. He was scared. You know why he was scared? He was doing it in his own power. He forgot that the Lord wins the battle. And as he looked across the field of Goliath, Nine feet tall, 125 pounds of armor, and a 15-pound spear. He couldn't do it. He looked at his own ability and said, I can't do this. And then he looked at the Israel army, and the Israelites, I'm not going to do it. Now what's great is, even the brother of David, who's mad at David, which we'll get to in a minute, didn't step forward and say, well, I'll take it. Now one warrior understood that this was Israel, God's people, and that God wins battles, and that you don't. They all fell trapped to what we do every day. We try to do things in our own power. And it wasn't going to work out for them in their own power, was it? But David got it. He says, who is this making, making all this noise about the, the army of the living God? From the very minute he gets to the battlefield, David understood this was about God, this wasn't about any individual or, or Israelite man. This was God's battle. <laughs> a shepherd boy. One of his first things he says is, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who should defy the armies of the living God? That should have at least reminded them, oh, that's right, we're Israel. God protects us. Right? Nothing. Nothing. They were so trapped in living their worldly life, they had forgotten God and how he works in their life. Now, his brother, isn't it strange? He puts him down. I know how conceited you are. You're just here to watch. What's that about? That seems like a, 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 a weird little piece of this. Have you ever noticed that when you follow God, some of your friends and family and people around you kind of talk smack? They kind, of, they kind of, what are you doing? You're saying, I'm going to trust in the Lord for this. What are you doing? You can go fix this. You can go do this, right? 
So what we have here, 5,000 years ago, is the same thing we have today. For those of us who trust in the Lord, we get that strange look from our friends and our believers. We get those comments from them, don't we? I don't know. You, you may not. I do. Let me just say, personalize this. I get these comments a lot. Maybe I have the wrong friends. <laughs> but David's kind of attacked. And Jesus told us that they're going to hate you. They hated me first. So sometimes in our walk with the Lord, we have to realize when we choose to support God, when we choose to submit to Him, when we choose to surrender to God and His ways, there are going to be people around you that just aren't with you. It might be kind of mean-spirited. Now, Scripture tells us that the brother was jealous and angry. Who had the problem, David or the brother? The brother did, right? Sometimes in our walk with the Lord, people aren't with us. Is that their problem or ours? As far as David was concerned, that was his brother's problem. Because you know what he did right after his brother chewed him out? He turned to the next man and said, what was we talking about? We're talking about, what do I get if I do this? So he stuck with the same line. He wasn't going to be deterred by his, by his brother. Don't let people deter you from following the Lord. Because David was right, and 500,000 people in the Israelite army were wrong, including the king. Hmm. Saul gives David his armor, but it doesn't really fit. I love this imagery. Every day we go out of our house, and we go to work, we have friends, we come to church, we do whatever we do, right? And we put on worldly armor, don't we? You ever been in a place where you're like shopping and people are too close to you? Don't you love that feeling? Remember when I first came to this church, you all wanted to hug me? That was a little too close for comfort. We put on worldly armor. Sometimes we're defensive. Sometimes we're angry. Sometimes we're, we're not as kind. Sometimes we put worldly armor on to keep people away from us. But David said, this worldly armor is not going to fit me. I'm a man of God. I'm going to do a godly thing. And worldly stuff's not going to do it. Only spiritual armor will work. So he doesn't wear the armor. So imagine this. He's going against a guy who is in full combat gear. He's got a sword, he's got a javelin, he's completely protected. He's got scaled armor, which means when you hit, hit with an arrow, the arrow would bounce and skip off. This guy has the best of the best, the best equipment. And David has a sling and a rock. Because he won't wear any armor. But he was fighting a spiritual battle, not a worldly battle. And this is where we mess up as Christians. We think our battle is against flesh and blood, don't we? How many of you get mad at unbelievers? How many of you see things in the newspaper and think, I am so disgusted with what's happening in this world right now? We're mad at flesh and blood. And we keep on forgetting that it's not that kind of battle. Yet we want to wear our worldly armor into that battle. How many of you ever, this may or may not appeal to you, but sometimes on Facebook, have you ever written a message back to somebody and then have to erase it because you're like, I do that all the time. Because i got to remember, I'm not fighting a, 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 a worldly battle here. My battle's not against flesh and blood. My battle's not against the knucklehead that wrote the thing on Facebook. My battle is a spiritual battle. And Satan's trying to tell me to respond to that in a worldly way. And David says, you don't fight spiritual battles with worldly arms. Hmm. I think it's fascinating that uh, 
When you look at David, was he a perfect guy? I love David. He was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. You know, he wasn't able to build the temple because there's too much blood on his hands. He killed his best friend Uriah to get his wife Bathsheba, right? They had this affair. You know about that. This guy, this guy didn't do the things he was supposed to. You know, at one point he didn't really repent of a sin for a year until a prophet came to him and said, let me tell you a story. And then, in Proverbs, uh, Psalms, he says, only against you, Lord, have I sinned. I think it's Psalm 50 or 51. And it's the story of Uriah and Bathsheba. And I'm thinking, what about Uriah? Did you kind of transgress against him just a little bit? <laughs> so he had an arrogance about it. And his brother here says, you're conceited. We know about you. So we know a little bit about the traits of David. But in Hebrews 11, the heroes of the faith, we know that David is a man after God's own heart. Why is that? He always had a relationship with the Lord. And he relied on God for everything. So you don't have to be perfect. Sometimes we come to church and think, you look around, you see all these nice people and think, I don't, I don't add up. My life doesn't look like your life. And you're probably a much better Christian than I am in terms of your faith, in terms of you know, your gifts and using them. I'm just going to sit in the pew and be quiet. And God can't use you because you're not using your gifts because you're so comparing and ashamed that you're not like the other guy, right? And God says, David was a man after my own heart. You're good enough, trust me. What I want you to do is love me. I want you to have, you, have me in your life. I want you to talk to me. I want you to repent. You could be a man or woman after my heart too. It's not about what you do. It's about our relationship. So David, who is a, wins this battle, did so because he was stronger, he was faster, he was better with a sling. He was a better warrior. He had more courage. He won the battle because he trusted in God to deliver him. God will deliver that Philistine into my hands. Any of you fighting any Goliaths right now? Any of you maybe get some midgets you're fighting? <laughs> Doesn't have to be a Goliath. You know, Paul said, I have a thorn in my side, and I pleaded with you, Father, three times for you to remove it. And God said, My grace is sufficient. Do you know what that means? God's grace and His Son Jesus Christ dying for our sins covers us. And I, I have thorns on my side. I'm a thorn in my wife's side. <laughs> That's called marriage. It works. Yeah. God says, my grace is sufficient, Tom. Don't be paralyzed. Don't be a coward. Don't be like the Israelite army, who are unbelievers. They don't believe my arm is long enough. They're cowards. They don't think they have the courage to fight for God. They've forgotten their first love. Remember that from Revelations? Don't be like that. You're okay. Go. Was Abraham perfect? Remember that time he told the king that his wife was his sister? Oh, twice? 
Was Moses okay? Up until killing that Egyptian, he was doing pretty well. Look at our Bible heroes. They're us. They're, they're us. And we're them. Yet sometimes we get so trapped doing worldly things, worldly ways, fighting flesh against flesh, and we wonder why we don't have a victorious life. You know, preachers stand in front of you and say, you can have the victorious life. You can be redeemed and righteous. And, and you're like, sit in the pew going, that's not my life. I don't know what's going on. I pray to God. You're fighting flesh against flesh. You're trying in your power to do it. I, I work with people sometimes that have uh, lots of different issues going on in their life. Could be uh, mental health issues, could be addictions, could be whatever it is. And sometimes they believe, if I just do this, I'll be better. No, you won't. You don't have the discipline. You don't have the power. You weren't built to do that. You are fallen and broken. But when they say, I will rely on the Lord to transform my life, and He will do this in my life, and I claim that. Ooh, that's your life changes. A boy of 14 or 15 said, I believe the God of Israel will deliver that Philistine in my hands. And he slew the giant when an entire army soiled themselves just thinking about fighting that guy. <laughs> it's fascinating. And I wonder why we don't live the righteous life of, of claiming that. You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that Jesus used to raise people from the dead. To give the sight to the blind. You have that in you. You get to call on that and say, Holy Spirit, enliven me. Win this battle for me. I have a thorn on my side that won't come out. Help me. And you know God's just standing going, that's what I've been waiting for. Thank you very much. I'm here. Because God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm always by your side. But I'm afraid sometimes we fight worldly battles with worldly things. And we don't understand that this whole thing is a spiritual battle, not a worldly battle. So let me give you a little bit of advice to close up here. What do you do? What if you got a Goliath going on? What if you got a midget chewing on your knee? What do you do here? Scripture tells us that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, right? And that we are more than conquerors. Do you actually believe that? See, first you've got to believe. This is why the weird part about Christianity is it's faith that gets us grace, not works. Wouldn't it be easier if we could just work our way to it? You know, what if I could just go street, you know, sweep the street? Woohoo! I'm saved. No, no, no. God requires something much harder of us. Everyone thinks it's easy being a Christian. I've, I've never seen that. You must have faith. You must believe you are more than conquerors. You must believe that you can do anything. I mean, I mean anything through Christ who strengthens you. You must believe that if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. And I'm afraid sometimes our faith and our belief lacks a little bit. Sometimes we think it's true for other people, 
You ever meet those prayer warrior types? Oh, those are great people. You think they are just, they've got it. If they got God's ear, they can talk to them anytime they want it. I don't care from God. <laughs> you don't hear from God? Think about this for a second. If you believe first, that's great, but you've got to believe it for you. That's sometimes harder. You ever run into people that you talk about forgiveness, you say, oh, I, for, I can forgive people. And, and I know God's forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. See, if you don't believe it for you, it all falls apart, doesn't it? Do you think David believed for him? God's going to deliver this into my hands. He believed that not only that there was a God of Israel, he believed that it was his God going to do something directly for him. Do you believe that God's actually going to do something for you? Or is it just everyone around you that gets the blessing? Are you the guy with the rain cloud over your head that's not raining on anybody else? No. God's got, got to believe and believe for you. <laughs> Talked about this. Then you've got to claim the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is like the least talked about. It's like the Father, the Son, and then that guy. The Holy Spirit's powerful. And I'm not a charismatic, right? But I can't read. I know what the book says about the Holy Spirit. There was a reason that Jesus left us the comforter to reveal things to us, to teach us, to show us, to go before us, to be the power of our lives, to transform us. How often on a daily basis do you call on the Holy Spirit to do something for you? I do it a lot. I hope you do. Because that's where the power comes from. But once you believe, and you believe for yourself, and you're calling on the Holy Spirit, then you've got to act, right? What if David showed up and said, that stinking Philistine, your mama, and then walked off. <laughs> There is a God in your life. 
That Jesus Christ has marked you as his. You are signed and sealed by the Holy Spirit. And Satan actually is afraid of you. But not if you don't fight him. And sometimes we feel we're fighting Satan that all we got is a sling and a rock. And you're like, Satan is an angel, right? Faster, stronger, smarter than me, and I've got a rock. No, you don't. You've got the living God behind you, and the armies of angels right there with you. You can defeat anything. And I don't care what it is in your life. You can defeat it. Whether it's a Goliath or something smaller. If you choose to believe and apply and act. Right now, there's probably a Goliath or something in your life insulting you. You got a thorn in your side somewhere? Some personal issue? Some body, maybe? Here's my challenge for you for the week. In the next seven days before we see each other again. Because I'm going to check on you. I want you to go to war with that. I want you to be David. I want you first to believe that there is a God who loves you. Second, I want you to believe it for you personally, not just the person sitting next to you. Third, I want you to understand you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You have the power of the living God. Fourth, I want you to act. And I don't know what that looks like for you. I have no idea what your battles are. But I want you to act in the power of the Holy Spirit. And understand that this is a spiritual battle, not a flesh and blood battle. And I want you to win. I want you to hit whatever that is with a rock in the forehead. And I want you to cut off its head. And I want you to come back here next Sunday. And I will come back upstairs and I want to hear your stories. I want to hear how you defeated something this week. Because you are more than conquerors. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. There is nothing too big for you. You are covered by the grace of God himself. You are all men and women of whom God is immensely proud of. And you never go to battle alone. He's always with you. So today's story about David and Goliath isn't about David and Goliath. It's about you and me. And the battles we fight every day. Battles in my marriage, where Satan's trying to get in and get Lisa and I to fight against each other. Battles at work, where you're surrounded by unbelievers who make fun of you because of your faith. Battles in your work, where you've got to drive 100 miles just to get there, because that's where the job is. And it's very frustrating. You don't get to spend as much time with your family. Battles with your health, where Satan's trying to keep you down. And make you think that you're worthless because you have health issues. Could be anything. Next week, right here, same bad time, same bad channel. <laughs> I'm going to hear your stories of victory. Amen? Amen. 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 Thank you for your time, friends. <laughs>